0: morning, everyone. Well, we are here this morning with our last message on this topic of God's words or words used within the church context. And you all voted last week to have a message on God's will. How do we figure out God's will, what God wants from us? And I think a lot of times people kind of figure that finding God's will is like fishing. You kind of throw, you get prepared, you put everything together and you kind of just find a place and you throw your line in and you kind of hope somehow you're going to figure out God's will and it's just going to get on your line and you're going to go, yes, that is God's will and then you go on to the next thing. I wonder what God's will is. So you throw the line in and you figure out, is God going to bite and give me an answer? I don't know. Um, It's not like that at all. It's not like that at all. What I've done this morning in order to impress this message in your mind is under someone's chair, there is a $20 bill taped to the bottom of it. Dead serious. Maybe you're the one who sat in the right chair to find that $20 bill. Take a a moment and check. I'll tell you right now, all of you are cold. Knowing, Pastor Tim, as you know, where do you think I might have put that $20 bill? Front row would be a really great guess. Where? Which front row do you think it might be? The one to my left? The one to my right? The furthest away from me? Or could it be one of the closest seats in the house? You're just going to have to find it, right? But... Honest truth, there's a $20 bill attached to one of these chairs here in the front row. You are welcome to get it now, Patrick, or you can wait until after the service, see if someone beats you there. All right? That is how we sometimes feel it's like finding God's will. It's sort of random. It's lucky. It's kind of, oh, I didn't sit in the right place, Tim. Now I don't get it. I was just adjusting. You were adjusting. Yeah, you were adjusting three or four different seats. Thank you very much. Okay. All right, <laughs> yes, it's okay. Uh, once you find it, though, it's awesome to find God's will to know exactly what He wants from us. But oftentimes, we assume finding God's will is only about the big things in life. Who do I marry? Do I move? What job do I take? What do I study in school? And and we can rack our brains with trying to figure out those big things. What does God want from me? And we might send those desperate prayers up to God. Show me a sign. Who do I marry? Where do I go? What do I do? Help. And we are hoping upon hope that somehow we're sitting in the right seat and God shocks us with the answer and says, do this or don't do that. That would be a very simple, easy Christian life. If every time, every time we sat down in a chair, it was obvious, God, do you want me in this chair or not? Do I get rewarded for doing this or not? Am I getting a benefit from doing this or not? Is this the right way? Show me. Big arrows, big signs, big messages. If you're looking for that type of direction in figuring out God's will in life, He's not going to give it to you. He's given us something far better to improve our own love for him and our own dependence upon him. And basically, James chapter 4 talks about finding God's will or walking in God's will. He said, James says in chapter 4, starting in verse 13, he says, Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow, We will go to such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. This person's made all their plans. They know exactly what's going to happen. They're going to go today or the next day, and they are going to make money. Hand over fist. They are going to make money. And verse 14 says, Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What true words you can have all the plans in, your, in the world. You can have all the charts, all the organization. You can listen to all the videos. You can get all the inspiration you want to about how your life should turn out and what you should do with the life that God has given you. And you can have it all planned. By this time, I want to be married. By this time, I want kids. By this time, I want my career set. By this time, I want this, 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 this. And by 50, I want to retire. And you can have all the plans you want. Yet you do do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. If you ever wanted an inspirational quote to remember, remember that one. You are but a vapor, a mist. You are here one day and you're gone the next. Whoa, that's not... That's not really encouraging. How do I follow God's will if I'm just discounted as a mist, as a vapor, here one day and gone the next? Well, James tells us in the next two verses how to apply that truth. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance, and all such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. So basically, James is saying in this whole concept of trying to figure out God's will, what should I do in my life? It's not about you making all the plans. Because if you make all the plans, I guarantee you, life will say no to it, you will be frustrated, and you will give up and say, this is ridiculous, I can't plan anything, and it will not turn out the way I want it to. You're right. It will not turn out the way you want it to. It will turn out the way God wants it to. I think the big principle, the big lesson that James gives us there is that every day we should acknowledge our dependence upon God in such a way in saying, Lord, if you will it to be done, if this is what you want from me, then I will follow it. I will do it. And if you do not, lead and guide my daily steps, there is no way I'm going to figure out the big things. We can be so concerned about the big steps in life that we forget today God has given you a step to take. That first step out of bed, that first step in just doing whatever you normally do in the morning, that next step, of getting to church, that next step of saying hello to someone, that next step of worshiping God, that next step, turning to God's Word and being attentive, that next step of loving one another. And I don't know what the next step after this is. Humanly speaking, it's probably going to be lunch. But before lunch, it's going to be you saying what you're thankful for, for Logan's video. Yes, I will ask you that. And we'll dismiss ourselves, maybe row by row. I don't know. I won't put that kind of pressure on you. But the daily steps, those normal, average, every day, every day is the same kind of steps is where we need to begin our focus on how to find God's will for your life. When we talk about God's will, we're really talking about two different wills. Now, God is not a split personality, God is one, one God in three persons, as we saw in that message on the Trinity. But God reveals himself both with a secret will and a revealed will. And sometimes the secret will is called a perfect will, and sometimes the revealed will is called a permissive will. But we basically have two ways in which God reveals himself to us in a secret, private way. And then a perfect way, and then this sort of revealed way. And I think the best way to understand these two is to look at Isaiah chapter 46. So we have James 4 in mind. Okay, James 4 says, I shouldn't assume and make plans and boast in my plans because I'm not quite sure what tomorrow will bring. Instead, I need to live each day saying, Lord, if you want me to do this, I'll do it. Each, every day. And then Isaiah 46 has this grand statement. Starting in, um, let's just start in verse 8, even though I have verse 9 in the notes. We're going to start in Isaiah 46, verse 8. Isaiah says, Remember this and stand firm. Recall to mind, you transgressors, remember the former things of old. For I am God and there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning, from the ancient times, the things yet done, saying, my counsel will stand. I will accomplish all my purpose. Calling a bird of prey from the east, a man of my counsel from a far country. I have spoken, and I will bring it to pass. I have purposed, and I will do it. God is making an absolutely awesome declaration in which he says at the very beginning of that, remember this and stand firm. That should be a wake-up call for, uh uh-oh, whatever he's saying next is super, super important because I need to remember it and I need to stand on it. It needs to be mine. And then he goes on to discuss, it doesn't matter what's happening around you, I am God. I will accomplish everything I want to accomplish. And of course, our next question is, what do you want to accomplish, God? And we try to figure out, what is he trying to accomplish? He's giving me these three options between things I love to study at school. Which one should I study? He's giving me all these people in my life. Which one should I marry? He's giving me all these opportunities to follow. Which one should I follow? And we try to figure out this secret or perfect will of God in which he has not said one time, I'm going to reveal that to you. He keeps it to himself. He doesn't share everything he wants to do with us. Why? Why doesn't he share everything? Why doesn't he just tell us everything? Sometimes it's the same reason why parents don't tell their kids everything. They don't tell them everything. They may tell them the big plans of how to live a life that's righteous and holy before God, but they want them to make their choices for themselves. They want them to learn from experiences of success and experiences of failure. And God is looking at us as children, knowing exactly what he wants us to accomplish. But the exact steps to get there, he says, I'm not going to tell you. It'd be robotic, maybe, if I did. And so I want you to own it for yourself. I want you to make those choices on your own. But in the end, God says, everything I want to accomplish will be accomplished. But I don't know how that works. He's not asked you to figure out how it works. He's not told us, that's your goal in life, figure out how I work. But we want to know. We're not just inquisitive as humans, but we're inquisitive as believers. Lord, what do you want of me? I want to please you. So he says, okay, you want to please me. Take today and say, I'll follow you today. This step, this small little step, I'll follow you. This moment, I'll follow you. That's all he's asked of us. This moment, at this moment in time, Follow him. But we often try to figure out the big picture and the big story before we've taken the small, solid, consistent steps of the day. If we can't do the small, consistent steps of the day of following him, how can we expect him just to miraculously tell us what the big steps are if we're not even accomplishing the little steps of loving him? of loving those around Him, of honoring His Word, of being meditative upon His Word, of thinking about Him, of praying to Him, of worshiping Him, of attending to His general call, of gather together as an assembly of people and worshiping here. If we're not doing those basic things, what right do we have to know the big things if we're not doing the smaller things? And that's where James hammers us. Don't just assume you've got it all figured out. You don't. You know that, that joke, that, uh, well, if it wasn't so real, it'd be funny. If you ever want to make God laugh, you know what you do? You tell him your plans. Tell him your plans. He says, don't tell me your plans. Just take this day, And live it as if this is the day you step with me every moment of every waking minute. And you're going to say, Tim, that's a lot of work. I mean, every day, every moment, thinking about God. It's not work. It's not a task. It's not laborious. It's not even that hard. As a child of his, it is an absolute thrilling joy to do it. It's a passion of ours to want to hear him and see him and follow him and adjust our thinking and our plans to his. And you'll never know what that thinking and plans are unless you take every step. Lord, what do you have of me? Now, that should not cripple you and you should not become this outsidely pious person that says, oh, I don't know if I can go to the store God hasn't revealed that to me yet. Let me, let me pray about it. Oh, come on. You're, you need food? Go to the store. It's very simple. It's not trying to figure out this eternal plan of God. Will he reveal it to me or not? There are responsibilities you have every day. Do I go to work today or not? God's telling you, yes, go to work. We got some of those things covered. Oh, but, but he is so difficult to live with. You got it. Live with him, though. You have to. That's what God's called you to do. Oh, pay taxes, really, Lord? Revealed to me, shall I pay taxes or not? Well, two things. One, yes. And the second, yes. Very simple. (laughs) Jesus had an illustration. He paid taxes. Of course, miraculously, he was able to go fish, find a fish with coins in his mouth. Awesome, great job. But he still paid his taxes on that. But it is not our responsibility to figure out his hidden or secret will. All we need to be concerned with is it's going to come to pass. It's going to come to pass. Every promise he's made is going to happen. Every warning he's said he's going to stick to and not compromise with. By contrast, from his secret or perfect will, there is the revealed will that he has made known to us through Scripture. Thus, we call it the revealed will. And ironically, we often overlook that revealed will of His Word because we're trying to find out something really, really special just for me, just for now, just for this situation, that special thing that will motivate me finally to do what He's called me to do, which is to love Him and to love others. So if you're ever really trying to figure out what is God's will for me today, I've said it already. I've said it three times so far, this morning alone. Your perfect will for God, or God's perfect will for you today is to love Him and to love others. To love Him and to love others. And I feel those days in which those are hyper-focused in my mind, hyper-focused, meaning every moment I have that that I can focus my thoughts are thinking about loving him and loving others, something wonderful happens in that moment, in that day. I don't worry. I don't get stressed out. I don't get bummed out that things aren't going my way. I have too much already to do, taking each step, thinking to myself, how do I love God in this situation? How do I love the person that God has put in front of me at this moment? Your day becomes so filled with things to do that follow God's will, you don't have time to think about, oh, what do I do with my life? Where do I move? Who do I marry? Where do I go? What do-? You don't have time for that. You are preoccupied with loving him and loving others all the time. And in doing that, I guarantee you, every step that you will progress in that day, over the weeks, over the months, over the years, you will look back and go, not only has God been there every step, but I know that as I did those things that he revealed to me, the big things no longer were all that big, no longer all that important. What was important was how you loved God and how you loved others. In Deuteronomy chapter 29, 29, this is the penultimate verse. This is the verse that takes all other verses and puts it into context. And so if you ever... Question in your life or someone ever comes to you and goes well. I don't know what God's will for my life is You got to go to Deuteronomy 29 29 and I think the people that put the Bible together and gave it chapters and verses Were wonderful in giving us a number that was easy to remember 29 29 Deuteronomy 29 29 What book of the Bible am I talking about? Deuteronomy what chapter am I talking about? 29 what verse am I talking about 29? So I'm talking about, all together, Deuteronomy 29.29. This is one of those verses that you text to yourself, because that's the only way I keep notes and remembering things. I text it to myself. I have a lot of texts to myself. But this is one of them. Deuteronomy 29.29. If you have one of those old-fashioned paper Bibles, this is a verse that is worthy of writing down on that front cover. You don't have to put anything next to it except Deuteronomy 29, 29, and you will remember that's the day Tim hid $20 under a seat. I didn't pick that seat, but I think Patrick knows what seat it is, and I think Patrick's going to get it the moment we close our eyes for the final prayer. If you do, Patrick, that's okay. It's all right. That's, that verse has something to do with how I live. Deuteronomy 29, 29. It says this, the secret things belong to the Lord our God. That is his secret will, the perfect will. Those things about the major instances of your life, about where you're going to end up in five years, 10 years, 20 years. The secret things belong to who? The Lord our God, not to you. They're not yours to know and figure out and understand and accept. They're his. But the things revealed, his word, everything written in it is given to us and who else? To our children. Why? Why does he give us the revealed word? So that you may follow all the words of this law. You ever want to figure out what you're supposed to do in life? how you're supposed to make a decision, what decision you're supposed to make, what you're supposed to do, ever want to figure that out, I feel God will give you an answer through his word. Well, Tim, certainly it doesn't tell me what color car to buy. No, it doesn't tell us what color car you can buy, but he does give us good basic principles about buying a car. Did you know that? You probably should not buy a $200,000 car if you're making $20,000 a year. Just basic money debt principles. And maybe you should buy a car that you can insure, maybe buy a car that will fit your needs. If you are a single, if you are a single guy, oh man, you get to have any kind of sports car you want, or a, or a single lady, awesome. But if you've got a family with kids, buying that two-seater Lamborghini probably is not going to be the best option for a family car, unless you already have a family car. Awesome. And he'll also probably tell you, you know what, you probably, um, really, that really is the only basic principle, I think. You want something that's reliable and gets you back and forth to work. You don't want to buy something that sits in your garage and you can't drive. Now, everyone is in a different situation. I know. I'm not trying to set out rules and guidelines for buying a car. But if you're struggling with, do I buy a car? How do I do that? God gives us general basic principles about money that we can apply to it. And they are solid, good principles. And in the process, you have to check yourself. Am I doing this because my neighbor just got a new one, so I got to get a new one? Do they have the flashiest and the best, so I need the flashiest and the best? And so you have to check. Sometimes pride... And arrogance and envy can get in the way of a really good thing to have, good, reliable transportation. And if you step back and say, Lord, provide for me good, reliable transportation that I can afford, I think God is going to rock you (laughs) out of your slumber and awaken you to how awesome he is in communicating Simple things like, what car should I buy? He'll do it. If you're loving him and loving others, and you're appealing to him every moment, Lord, help and guide me. Lord, help and guide me. And you're searching his revealed will. He'll lead you and guide you. He will not lead you astray. He will not ignore you, and he will not hide from you. He wants you to walk with him in every decision and thought that you have. He wants to be there. And he said the easiest quickest way to that end goal of knowing what to do is right in front of you. Right in front of you. It doesn't take more than 5 seconds to do a Google search. What does God have to say about money? What does God have to say about a spouse? What does God have to say about school? And you will find sometimes very good websites and sometimes really bad websites, but you're going to have to look at a lot of them and then read the Word. What verses are they talking about, talking to? And it is a wonderful, beautiful exercise to depend upon God and His revealed will every single time. Because in doing so, we have a beautiful promise out of Romans 8.28. And that promise that God says is, And we know that in all things God works the good for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. We know all things work together for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. So we know that as I focus on his revealed will, his truth, his word, as I'm reading it and studying it and meditating upon it and thinking about it and every day just throwing up popcorn prayers, thanking God for giving us his word, guide, direct me, we know that in all those decisions that we make, as we love him and as we follow his revealed will, your life will turn out good. And Scripture downplays that word good because we use it so much in our vocabulary. Oh, this is good and that is good. When Scripture says this is good, they are combining in there not just that it's a positive thing, but it is a connected thing to God. God is connected to it. So when he says all things will work together for good, connected to God, which is a beautiful thing. Your life, being connected to God, and as you are making choices and decisions each day as you're walking through life, he leads and guides, and you take those steps, focusing on loving God and loving others, your life, the end of it, is good. Good. And in fact, that's one of the things that Jesus says is one of the promises of his children. At the end of time when all things are done and our lives have expired on this earth, the most beautiful, comfortable, awesome words you're going to hear from God is what? Well done, my good and faithful servant. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Connected to God in that goodness and faithful in following his revealed will. I'll tell you, if anyone ever comes to me for counseling with a specific issue, my number one thing will be after all the the discussion is done, after all all the details are are communicated and we want to really focus on what's happening and what to do, I will always turn to God's word and say, what does he tell us to do? Because I don't have a, a, a crystal ball to figure that out. I have something better. You have something better. His word. His word. And there is no surprise if you come to me and say, life really sucks right now. I am falling into this sin, this sin, this sin, this sin. I'm faced with this temptation and I can't overcome it. My life feels a ruin. I've got the answer for you. And I know what's wrong. No matter what the situation is, no matter what the details are, I guarantee it can be traced back to, are you following his revealed will? Are you making that a passion in your life? To do what He's already told you to do? Have you done this? Is this part of your life? Are you loving this? Tell me about the times you spend in Scripture. Tell me about the times you've fallen on your knees and said, Lord, thank you for encouraging me to love you and love others. And then tell me how you're applying that. How does that what does that love mean? look like. And then you might say, but Tim, I still have this massive decision to make and you haven't helped me with this massive decision to make. I have helped you. I've absolutely helped you. And to make that even clearer, you need to seek God's revealed will. Be diligent in obeying it. Walk in holiness pursue sanctification, love your neighbors, be generous with your resources, bridle your tongue, and worship God. Just to name a few of the things He's already told us to do. He's told us how to make decisions. He's told us how to plan our life. He's told you how to love Him and how to love you others. But we get so caught up in, but what about this? Do you don't think God's thought about that? Do you think you're the first person ever to wonder, how do I deal with this? No, you're not the only person that's ever felt that way or dealt with this decision. His son had to deal with things just like us as humans. And he has been with you every step of the way. It's not a surprise what you have to decide to do. It's not a surprise to him. I guarantee you he's given you guidance in his word. In Micah 6.8, I hate to say that every one of these verses need to be in the front of your Bible, but Micah 6.8, beautiful verse, says, He has shown you, O mortal, what is good and what the Lord requires of you to act justly and to love mercy and to humbly walk with your God. And if you are not acting justly, discerning right and wrong, and if you're not showing mercy, compassion, and loving kindness, and if you're not walking humbly with your God, then that is where you need to start before you start making decisions about your life. That is where you need to be. And when you're there, I believe the peace of God just overwhelms you when you have to say yes or no to a decision. If your life is characterized by humble obedience to God's revealed will, I don't think those big questions of life are really going to be that big at the moment. They won't be. You'll know how to step and make the right decision. And before you get there, it's so much easier to live each day simply with those things in mind than try to turn to God in the big ones. Don't think about turning to God in the big ones. Think about today. After service, how do I love God? How do I love others? How do I make Micah 6.8 mine? See, we need to cry out. Often, often, daily. God, I need you. Not just at the big times, but even when you feel you've got it all planned out and today's going to be a piece of cake and rest and peaceful. That's the day I think you need them even more. Cry out, Lord, I need you. I need you. If we wait just for the big moments, we miss out on so much living for God. Let's pray. Father, help us. Help us take comfort from these words. Help us to remember these words for years to come that we might spend each and every day, even the normal days that are so full of, full of routine. Help us make those days great days of living your will. Help us, Father, to focus on your revealed will, which you have given us to obey. And help us, Father, not to worry about the secret things that you've not revealed to us. Let us take peace in that. In Jesus' name, all of God's people said, amen. Amen. Let's stand and worship.